the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. To the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Guess I'm on my way Needed a friend And the way I feel now I guess I'll be with you till the end Guess I'm on my way Mighty glad you stayed Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Our toll-free number is one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. Now that's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is xzone at talkstarradio.com. And you can always chat with us here in our studios by using MSN Messenger and typing in the address talkstarradio at hotmail.com. My guest this hour is Robert J. Vanderklok. He is a UFO researcher, and he has written several books. He's uh, been giving lectures. And, Robert, welcome back to the X-Zone. Hello, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks very much for inviting me back no, on. It's, it's great having you with us, Robert. And um, I was wondering if you could tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. I do have a military intelligence background with the U.S. Army, 1969 to 1971. Uh, the second of those three years was learning Vietnamese language in the Defense Language Institute prior to going there. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew that Germany wasn't my next port of call once I got those <laughs> orders, Rob. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I, I found that uh, I liked intelligence work a lot. Uh, I had been recruited sort of by the CIA prior to that, uh, so I kind of knew I had a, a predilection for that sort of work. And some 30 years later, in uh, 19, 
I used to say 22 years later, 1993 or so, I decided to research UFOs based on the kind of background I had, and I learned how to find things out and who to find things out from and, you know, how to do it. And it, it just kind of changed my life. I, uh, I got really into this. I got very fascinated with it. And I, I was thinking of my background a few minutes ago in terms of when I was listening to your disclaimer that always plays in the beginning of the yeah. show, how that, that's important to know because, you know, in, in this business or even if you're a researcher for anything, you're going to be using facts and opinions and speculation, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's identified as such, you know, each each to its own. And, uh, you know, I, if, I, if I state something as a fact, uh, you know, I'm not about to embellish it or exaggerate it. Exactly. So I think that disclaimer is important to, to hear. In the meantime, though, I did get a hold of some top-level people. A lot of people are talking to me. Uh, I guess I just never realized with all the lecturing that I was going to become a sounding board for people who had wanted to talk about this with someone or anyone and they've come to me, and I've, I've, you know, I've learned what they've, they've told me. Uh, I've divulged their secrets when they've given me permission. Mm -hmm. I've buried them when they've told me not to, uh, very deeply when I have to. And it's just been very interesting. It's, a, this, it's 16 years for me now. It's been quite a ride, really. What was it about the UFO phenomenon that that attracted you? Attracted. Probably the first thing was in 1965 when I happened to read the Donald Kehoe book. Uh, I believe it was called The Flying Saucers Are Real, mm -hmm. something like that. It was uh, it was put out by Major Donald Kehoe, and I found it crazy that after a full book of saying everything he could to justify that UFOs are real, and say, you know, at least some of them are, it was followed by a three-page disclaimer saying it was all false or something, and that... that that kind of struck me wrong. You know, how would you, you, you know, 99% of it is true, and then the last percent of it is all, all false. So it made me think about if there was a need for him to have to have put that in there just to publish it. That's what really got me started. And then in 1993, um, I started uh, reading some books on the Roswell incident, and a few things had been written by that point. And I managed to get a hold of Stanton Friedman due to a, an argument I was having with a, college, a high school graduate friend of mine from 1964 who was a Department of Energy worker at the time, and he was a skeptic. And I said, geez, the Department of Energy is knee-deep into this stuff. Uh, so we had a little argument, so I wrote to Stan Friedman. I said, what would I say back to this man in regards to what I'm, I'm sure is there into the reality of this? So he sent me a very generous research package back, and I got I was inspired by this. And I just actually, he's, he's really my mentor for it. And I got, I got into it. Uh, I started to buy some materials. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I just, it never stopped. It's, it's just gotten bigger and bigger, and I guess along the way, Rob, I, uh, I've gotten a different view of my own place in the cosmos, whatever it is, and uh, it's, it's just changed me a lot, and I, I think it's much for the better. I feel very much a, a total and whole person as a result of all this. Robert, please stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Exo Nation, my very special guest of this hour is Bob Vanderklok. We're going to be talking about UFOs, unidentified flying objects. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free. Exxon at talkstarradio.com is my email address. Robert Vanderclock and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute break right here on Talks. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. 
Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. There's a bubbly song for you. My name's Rob McCall. This is the Exxon. Robert Vanderklok is our special guest this hour. And, Bob, what was your first UFO lecture like? I think it's going back to June 1995, given your experience at that point. Well, you know, I've been a public speaker on a lot of things, Rob, but never had done so on UFOs. It was, it was something new to me, and I had mm-hmm. had about two years' worth of research knowledge on, on the Roswell incident by that time, but I was by no means an expert or anything on, on any of this. Um... I, I had written a research paper on this incident just to find out if anybody had been interested, and I was literally handing it out on the street to anybody that wanted to look. And within 24 hours of having started to do that, I got a call from the manager of the Walbrook, New Jersey Public Library, which is the same town and where I work, by the way. He said, would you like to do a public presentation on this? And I said, geez, I guess so. I'll try it. I've never done it before. I'd never been to a UFO seminar. I didn't know what they do with those things. But I said, sure, why not? So it was from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock on a, on a, on a day in June, and uh, it was in a small room that uh, legally housed 36 people, Rob, and there were something like 59 people there that were hanging off the rafters. And wow. I said, geez, I'm, I must have started something here. Uh, at 11.15, I was still going. Nobody had left. And I said, folks, I'm really aces with the Walbrook Fire Department, and you know, we're kind of breaking the fire code here, so maybe we ought to cut this out. <laughs> you know, I, they're right, and the, the fire department's right next door to the library, so if anybody had bopped in on a late-night visit or something, I think I might have been in trouble, and I didn't want to have that. So I said, look, folks, please come back. I am delighted that you've had such a, a great response and everything. And, and it just started out, and uh, I've done 80 lectures wow. uh, since then. What kind of and, questions uh, were you being asked, Bob? Well, very often is that, uh, you know, why is it the government doesn't, open up about the cover-up. Why, do they, why is there a cover-up, literally? Uh, and how, how can anybody think, uh, this is a recurring theme, Bob, how, how can anybody think we're alone in the universe when you have 25,000 new planets being created every day and that sort of thing? Yeah. And it was, it was kind of interesting. Uh, I give them the same answer. I said, I wish I could tell you that, but I'm sure that uh, some of the factors are the, the effect on organized religion, that there's certain truths that they cannot deal with yet, and I think once that is, is overcome, Maybe it'll be a little easier. And, and in that light, uh, as you're aware, I'm sure your audience knows, too, the Vatican City folks in mm-hmm. May pretty much said something to the effect of it's okay to believe in ETs, and we can officially recognize that there is an ET matter, and it's okay with us. Uh, just everything kind of interlocks. I will tell you this, Rob, one of the most exciting things that's happened to me for this research year 
was the chance to finally meet with somebody who I had been corresponding with faithfully over a 10-year period, and I was so excited to finally meet in person Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr. of Roswell fame. Oh, wow. uh, I was, I'm, it's just an absolutely wonderful man. I had written him about 10 years ago concerning a matter I had become aware of that he was involved in. And uh, I think I gave one lecture, and I mentioned this subject once, and out of nowhere I did get a response from him, and he said, please, Bob, do me a favor, do not discuss this any further until anybody else uh, privy to it goes public. And I faithfully honored that for ten and a half years. I never said a word to anybody, even my closest colleagues. Uh, in fact, I published his, uh, his letter in my research paper, Rob, but I expurgated those parts that referred to this particular matter, and a lot of people said, what, did the government block you out or something? I said, no, 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 it was done, done by me, by, by mm -hmm. request of Dr. Marcel. But um, he came out with his book last year, as you're aware, The Roswell Legacy, yeah. and he started speaking about this incident, but he still didn't give all of the particulars, and I said to myself, well, maybe that means I'm not allowed to speak further on it, so again, I said nothing, but I finally met him in April at the ex-conference that... Uh, Stephen Bassett put together, you know, in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Yeah. And I said, Doctor, I'm, I became aware that you mentioned the, the incident in your, your book, and I see that you gave out all the particulars about a month ago in a British UFO magazine. May I publicly speak on this now? And he said, Sure, Bob. And, you know, he's thanking me for holding on to the secret and all that. And it's worth mentioning to your audience what this is, if I may just for a minute do Please. this. Please, okay? yes, certainly. Uh, it turns out in 1992 there was a UFO conference going on in Washington, D.C., and, and I guess the people putting it on were inviting various luminaries to it, one of whom was Dr. Marcel coming from Montana. Before he got to the conference, he got a call from a major government official who said, look, while you're there, I need to speak with you on something private, so would you mind meeting me at the Capitol building, you know, floor number this, that, and the other, prior to that. And he did. Uh, he actually wanted to make a vacation out of it and take the family. And, the, and Linda Marcel said, it's not on your life. You're not taking the kids and me with this because who knows what they want to do with you over there. <laughs> so he met the, met the uh, gentleman. They went down about five levels to some place in a Capitol building where most people would never even know it, was, it existed, some you know, dank hallway. And it goes into an auditorium-type room, beautiful room. It's a, kind of something where, you know, if you're going to have a private conference with somebody very important like a state leader, I guess you would do it there. And really, they walk in, and there's nobody in there besides the two of them. And there's a table there. And on the table is a copy of Whitley Strieber's Majestic, which I happened to have read years ago. And the government official, before he sits down, he puts his finger on the book and looks at Mar Dr. Marcel and says, this is not fiction. They sit down, and the government official tells him, he said, look, uh, I want you to know that the government is aware that there is a Roswell wreckage. Now, that, that was that's very significant, and I'm sure you can realize the implications of this right yes. away. He didn't go any he didn't go any further than that. And as Dr. Marcel explained to me, he said the man did not confirm the extraterrestrial hypothesis. But then, why would they be so interested in this wreckage? The official proceeds to ask Dr. Marcel if he knows where it is. And Dr. Marcel says, "What are you kidding? I figured you guys would know where you know where it is. I wouldn't have, I'd have no idea at all." The official then identifies himself as someone who is investigating the so-called congressional black budget, you know, where these billions of dollars have been going into unauthorized projects that nobody can find out what, what is going on with. And he says, as part of that, uh, I'm investigating the Roswell incident as well. He then asked Dr. Marcel if anybody has hassled you or harassed you concerning this. And the doctor said, well, usually I get some calls. My phone's tapped from time to time. But other than people calling me around the anniversary dates of this thing, no, not really. So the man whips out a pencil and a piece of paper and says, here's my name and number. Don't, don't ever hesitate to call me if anybody bothers you about this at all, okay? In his book last summer, 
he says everything about this except the identification of the individual and the agency he represents. So just because that one piece was not not uh, spoken of, I didn't say anything. But then it was all out in the British UFO magazine, so I can tell your audience and yourself what this is about. It was Richard D'Amato of the National Security Council, and he's kind of like a Forrest Gump. Everybody in the New York State area around here knows his brother, Senator Al D'Amato, who's a you know, oh, very, yeah. uh, very boisterous politician. In the meantime, his brother, Richard, He's one of these people that everybody in the government literally knows this man. He's had so many high classified jobs of some sort. Um, very, very important individual. I don't know if he's still alive. I'm speculating that he is because somebody probably would have told me if he's not. But it was amazing that the government literally officially acknowledged that the Roswell incident happened in such a way that, you know, it's not conventional. And as Dr. Marcel left the meeting, he said this is about all they did, he, he was walking away saying to himself, my God, they really... They really said something about this. No other government officials ever acknowledged any of this. And just to place a significance on the wreckage itself means something very significant. And that's the secret I had kept buried for ten and a half years for the doctor until he said I could talk about it. Fascinating. But your, wow. your audience wow. might be interested. That, that, was, uh, that was really cool. Uh, qu question sure. for you, Bob. Sure. If, you, if you've never seen a UFO, right. what would you base your belief that we are not alone on? The extremely high credibility of the individuals that I've dealt with who have seen them and or experienced them and or fill, uh, read official highly classified documentation on it. And there's no doubt in my mind that there is something to this now. Um, case in point, I was pretty tight with Lieutenant Colonel Philip Corso, who wrote The Day After Roswell. I had a three-and-a-half-hour sit-down with him along with uh, Linda Moulton Howe present. I'm talking to Clark McClellan right now, ongoing. He's a 34-year NASA rocket specialist. Uh, I've spoken to people who were federal marshals under President Nixon. Uh, people like that. You know, these, these are people whose credibility yeah. after they, yeah. they show their, their credentials and such. And I do know the identity of Source A. I guess we've talked, you know, you and I mentioned that over the, over the email. The gentleman who uh, was involved with the U.N. meeting in February. Yeah. And I'm one of, as of now, I figure I'm one of eight or nine individuals in the country who know his identity, and that's about it, other than the people in the government. And uh, I'm, I'm burying that, too, of course. But that is very significant, uh, that they had this U.N. meeting uh, concerning other countries asking us about UFOs. Well, what had happened here um, is they had, they had a secret briefing. Rob, if you don't mind me going into this. Sure, go right? ahead. No, that's fine. Uh, eight, it was 8 o'clock in the morning, February 12th. Uh, and it was a secret briefing, meaning it was you know classified to only certain people. And as a briefing, there was no, no pens, no papers, no notes allowed to be taken. Plausible deniability all the way. Um, your audience, I'm sure, has heard about the Texas Triangle that occurred in Stephenville, Texas, yep. and somewhere in December. Well, it turns out other countries are seeing the same thing. So they basically were contacting the United States asking the same questions they always would. Are you running around with your black project project things again, you know, violating our airspace whenever you feel like it? And the answer they got was, no, they belong to somebody else. And it's about time you figured it out. So the purpose of this meeting, Rob, was to tell the rest of the world through their emissaries, and there were about 60 people present, that acclimation has begun. Um, there are other civilizations out there, and you might as well get used to knowing it. And for those of you who have religions that have never acknowledged anything out there besides the end of your own nose, it's about time you start telling your, your constituencies, your, your, your public, your populace. Uh, we don't want to have any mass suicides over this. We don't want to have any disruption of the Earth's, you know, uh, everything that would go on with the Earth, our economy, our social political standing. So you have to talk to your people. You have to talk to your countries. Get your religions on board. 
because somewhere in the next nine years there will be an official public announcement of this. Now, let me interject something on my own part with this, Rob. I, I maintain absolutely that we've had official contact many times, government, government to government or government to ET, but nothing on an official level. But they were basically telling the, the rest of the world that this is, this is coming. They're going to start uh, hovering over major cities at, at a given point in time in a non-hostile, non-threatening manner. They're just going to they're just going to want the people who see them to know exactly who they are and what they are and the fact that they officially exist, which of course the United States has yet to acknowledge. And um, it's going to happen. And uh, this is being done through well, it's, it's a, a major government agency, and I think they're breaking with the Bush administration in doing it. All right, Rob, please stand by. You and I have to take our news break. Robert Vanderklok is our special guest. UFOs, unidentified flying objects. Robert and I will be back on the other side of the news as we continue on the Talk Star Radio Network. Steve Bassett is going to be our guest in hour number four. We're going to be continuing our conversation on UFOs. And in the next hour, Pastor um, Kyle Hoover will be joining me to dis- to discuss the search for the God gene in CERN, Switzerland. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, this is Ken Elliott. When I'm floating around the universe, I always try to tune in to Rob McConnell. Hey, ho there, Trinity Frog on Sesame Street. When I want to find out what's going on with UFOs or ghosts, I listen to the X-Zone with Rob McConnell. This is Les Corrigan from Target Internet Development. You're listening to Rob McConnell on the X-Zone Radio Show. This is John Hogue, Prophecy Scholar, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Robert Vanderklok is our special guest this hour, ExoNation. And we're talking about unidentified flying objects, UFOs. And Robert, before we went to the uh, news break at the bottom of the hour, we were talking about the um, the contact, uh, I would imagine we're, we're going to be calling this, uh, proof positive that we are not alone. 
And you you said in about nine years? Yeah, the information that was given at the UN meeting, and, and these, are, these are tentative dates, and I've heard people say it might even occur faster than this, but the dates that were given, number one, was the year 2013 in which the civilizations that are going to be part of this are going to start hovering over major cities with their triangular craft. Again, in a non-threatening, non-hostile manner, there will be no shooting, there will be no interacting, no nothing, just there. And following that, uh, the year 2017 was then given as the date of official public contact. It wasn't specified as to who would be making the contact, who would be making the announcement, etc. But that's what we have to work with at the moment. So, as far as you're concerned, uh, these visitors pose no threat to uh, to uh, to humanity. Uh, according to this one report, there's been no indication, no. Uh, as far as Source A, the person who has been given permission by his government agency to release all this, um, the, and I met him about a year ago, I should say, I'm sorry, let me, let me specify that uh, back again. I met him in February of 2007, Rob, along with uh, two friends of mine from New York City who are excellent researchers in their own right, Clay and Sean Pickering, who have been on the inside of this all along. The four of us met for about three and a half hours. I was incredibly impressed with this man and his credentials. He showed me everything he had. Mm-hmm. And a year later, this meeting comes up, and he's a, he's a part of it. And uh, other researchers are trying to say that this was a hoax and it never happened. And I'm sorry, they're dead wrong. There were two subsequent meetings to that. Apparently, three U.S. senators are now involved, although I don't have the names of them yet. Right. Um, this is going to be... I guess what it's going to be, Rob, when you come down to bottom line, it's going to be an exercise in getting the American public specifically to say, okay, listen, your government's been lying to you, and uh, we don't want to hear the lies anymore. You know, a lot of countries have been quite open about this, Canada as well, of course. Um, you know, some speak of the UFO issue publicly, some of it call it a problem, some of it call it a threat, but they're open about it. The politicians are talking about it. Uh, recently, the, the newest uh, Nexus New Times magazine had a, an article published from a French uh, rear admiral asking for a comprehensive UFO study from the French government. It was uh, directly re- uh, written to the president. So things have been happening as a result of these meetings. Uh, the British UFO files have been, have been opened, and we know that uh, Belgium has done this, France has done this, Spain has done this. It's becoming an accepted I shouldn't say fact, but an accepted norm uh, much around the world, except for the U- USA. Uh, our, our government is pretty well known to be the most repressive government in the world when it comes to withholding UFO ma- information from its own public. And how sad that is. You know, as a democratic role model, yeah. we, should, we should do better. And you know one thing, Rob, I was thinking about this during the break. I would be happy if the United States government officially stated the following. It will be in some manner like this. Okay, there are civilizations out there. Some UFOs exist but it's classified and we simply will not talk about it any further, period. Now, obviously that would open up a Pandora's box, but it would dissipate in some way the 60 years of lies and deception that we've all had to listen to and know that it's ridiculous. I myself have never seen a UFO, as you stated, and that is correct, but I did have a piece of a crash UFO in my hand once, and it was only through a, a subsequent issue of Nexus New Times magazine that I learned about what the components were. Um, it turned out to be 99% silicon and 1% non-Earth isotopes. I guess it was independently tested, which I didn't know at the time, but it was the exact same piece that I had had in my hand a few years earlier. I, I don't need any more proof. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that would be, and if that's the only direct uh, connection to ETs that I ever have, it's enough for me because it was an amazing experience. I didn't mean to get off topic with that. but No, uh, don't. No. 
we're talking UFOs, well, so how can we go off topic? No, <laughs> it's just that you can extrapolate in so many different directions of this, <laughs> as, as you're well aware, because it, it happens on your show quite often. I didn't want to get away from the central idea of what you're talking about. What, what, I, do you I, yeah, go ahead. what do you consider to be some of the watershed moments in your UFO research? Um, I would have to start immediately with the sit-down with Lieutenant Colonel Corso. Yeah. I, I wrote a nine-page letter to him after his book praising him as a, as a true American hero, but I, I said there were, there were questions in my mind. I needed mm -hmm. to know why there was no bibliography or paper trail in the book, which gave the skeptics the biggest opening they wanted. They said it's a yarn. You know, he made it up and you can't even track it. I needed to know what happened the day of Roswell because his book is literally the day after it. It didn't tell me what actually happened and why. It was questions like that, and when I got a phone call a week and a half later from him saying, uh, you know, I, I like your two papers that you've written, but there's some things you don't know about, so when you're ready to write that third paper that you've told me you're going to do, call me and I'll fill you in. And this is from a guy who was President Eisenhower's national security wow. advisor, and he, he had 12 security clearances, Rob, and nine of them were higher than top secret. And what impressed me even more than that was I was in military intelligence, and this man had clearances I'd never even heard of, which, which proves that compartmentalization works, you know. Yeah. So I was floored when the, when the phone call came. I was not at home to take it, but boy, I wrote right away. I wrote back to him. I said, "I'd love to meet you sometime. Maybe in December. I'm going to be down in Florida." So uh, we arranged that uh, Linda Moulton Howe and I would both go together from different airports and meet him. He had been friends with Linda previously, so it was kind of going to be a surprise for him to see her again. But it was amazing to sit down with this man for three and a half hours, and he laid it all right out for me. I mean, everything. What happened at Roswell, why it was, uh, how he knows for a fact that it, it happened. Uh, I was just floored. Most of this was not in his book, by the way. It was, it was additional, so I had a lot of material to begin lecturing on, to say the least. That, that's do, a watershed thing. What do you say to the people who think that Roswell was either a mogul balloon or nothing at all? <laughs> well, I'd ask him this. Why is it that we've had four different explanations over the last 60 years, and each one seems to debunk? It's come, all coming from the same source, and each one seems to debunk the previous. That is, that is a good question. That is an you excellent know, question. And uh, this, this question that I had posed, um, I guess the, you know, the thing I sent you a few weeks ago about the great Roswell debate, yeah. I guess it didn't take place because, what's his name, uh, Mr. Korf couldn't come. Yeah. And that's, a, that's a question I pose to anybody who says Roswell was a lot of hokey. I demand to know from them what Major Marcel would have seen that he could not recognize as man-made, thereby making his opinion on this going from object unknown to spacecraft, okay, because it did change from one to the other. And according to the skeptics and the people who don't believe this, uh, he looked at something called an ML-307 radar reflector, and he didn't recognize it, this little piece of nothing, and that made him change his mind about being a spacecraft, and yet... And yet the new book, Witness to Roswell, which publishes hundreds of additional testimonies we never heard about before, one of, them, one of the people who came out with the information said he remembers hearing Major Marcel describe the aliens as, quote, rubbery people. Now, I don't know if that was hearsay or something he got from someone else, but it sounded like he was coming from the Major himself, so he may have, in fact, seen them as well. Okay, this is so involved, and, and to, to accept... The first, it's a spacecraft, and then five hours later, it's nothing but a common weather balloon. Major Marcel had 10 years of cartography. He had radar training as, a, as, a, as a, uh, an intelligence officer. He would have known about every balloon that even the clowns would blow up, okay? 
There's no way he could not be familiar with this. Six months after the Roswell fire was put out, Major Marcel is reassigned to the Pentagon, and one of his jobs is to, to, to analyze air samples made from Project Mogul. Okay, so he knew about it. If he didn't know about it six months previous, he knew about it then, and in 1978, when he decided to go public, that becomes significant because he obviously was aware of that. He did not overestimate the size of the debris field. The man had 10 years of cartography before he ever went into the, uh, the Air Force, or the Army Air Force at that time. So, I mean, he's, he's arguably the best intelligence officer in the world at that time, and suddenly he's supposed to be an idiot, according to the skeptics. These same people mm-hmm. who in 1945 saved the world from Hitler and the, and the, the, uh, the Axis suddenly become dunderheads by looking at a bunch of stuff on the desert and saying, hmm, that must be a spacecraft. Well, the reason they said that, Rob, was because it was, quite simply. Okay, it was not these, these, you know, these military people who covered it up. It was the government telling them to. But why is the government of the United States wanting to suppress this information? What do they have to gain? They have everything to lose. Because when the truth comes out, it's going to be, um, well, why have you lied to us all these years? Well, that's that again. You know, you bring up a perfect point, Robert. They're going to have to somehow counteract the the uh, the move of, mm-hmm. of having deceived us all these years. And, and right now, and this is something I tell the skeptics every time I get into an argument with one, one which I never lose, by the way. I said, look, history is marching inexorably and unstoppably toward disclosure, and you can and will do nothing to stop it. So get on board, okay? You're going to be proven wrong. So why not join us? We have documents, we have documentary evidence, we have some photographs. You guys have nothing. You stand there and say, no, it's not proof. But what we do have is far in excess of whatever you, you would ever have. So why don't you come with us? Why don't you join us? Why, instead of being one of the cardboard skeptics that appears on the Larry King TV show once in a while, mm-hmm. get on our side, okay? Because you really should be with us. We are, we are doing the scientific method for you. You're not doing it. You guys have pronouncements on everything while investigating nothing. So, therefore, you have nothing. Yeah. And then you should be with us. Excuse me. <clears throat> I get a little animated about this because uh, I'm doing another lecture on September 22nd, uh, just a couple blocks from my home in the Monroe, New Jersey, in the Monroe, New York Library. Oh, yeah. And I, and I invited the, I'm in that Pine Bush, New York group that meets every month and we mm-hmm. talk about these things. I told anybody that wants to come along, I said, if you have any super skeptics in your family or anybody, bring them along. I'm spoiling for a good fight. It's, it's <laughs> been a. It, <laughs> It's been a few years since I was able to chew some of these people up and spit them out, and I find that easy to do. Uh, and trust me, I'm not, I'm not uh, vain. I'm not uh, egocentric. I'm not a megalomaniac. You're just, just saying have, it as it is. I'm just. I have yeah. knowledge on my side, and it, it works. You know, it, it, uh, any any of these people like the late, ungreat, unlamented Philip Class. Mm-hmm. You know, you can spo- you can expose them for what they're worth in a matter of seconds. Uh, they, you know, if they don't know this true story, they lie about it, or they threaten or intimidate you, and they, they use that old classic disinformation technique about, well, let's see, I can't really destroy the story because it happened, so I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll destroy the storyteller instead. That's much easier. And, okay. Uh, it's a mis- why, why do you have such ill feelings against Philip Class? Well, for one thing, he called me. He he actually interrupted an internet group I was in one day a few years ago, Rob, and offered me ten thousand dollars to be able to prove what Lieutenant Colonel Corso had told me about him—that he was in the CIA in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this, and I guess he was he was you know doing whatever he is, you know, snooping in on anybody else's uh, you know thread or whatever. And I found that to be insulting. And I, the first thing I said is, "Look, you son of a never mind. Hold that thought." 
Um, I had somebody, uh, a researcher friend of mine, was already working on that. But, of course, when Class said this, Rob, he knew full well that while he was alive, nobody could get into his files. Okay? And even now that he's dead, you know, and uh, like I say, you never should say anything about the dead unless it's good. Well, he's dead. Good. Okay? He, he was... He was just, he was, he's nothing, this guy. I don't, I started to follow what he had done in terms of his so-called investigations of some of these incidents, yeah. and he just misrepresented everything. He lied about the facts. He tried to destroy the careers of people. I even, once I exposed him as a CIA asset in one of my research papers, I even felt compelled to go to my boss at work and say, look, I want to tell you about this issue that I'm involved in, and I want to tell you about Philip Class, and if in case he ever starts to try to mess with me. I told him about the phone call. I told him about the fact that he's a UFO debunker, but he lies his way through everything he does. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be messed with him, okay, because I, I will do some messing on my own, but I don't want to bring my job into it. So they were interested in it, and they, they read it, and they said, okay, well, we'll just keep it under wraps just in case, but nothing ever, ever came from it. But he did get involved with firing a gentleman uh, from a, uh, he was an associate professor working at the University of Maine. I won't go into his name, but, but class started calling the... The, the university said, how can you hire this man who was involved in the Vandenberg incident? Supposedly he lied about that and blah, blah, blah. And he ended up losing his job. Oh, he got geez. a better one. He got a better one in the Midwest, now. He, he's, now he's a full professor. And, uh, you know, he, he had some words to say about Philip Plastid. Even, you know, I don't need, I've, been a, I've been a military intelligence guy, and I wouldn't use this language. Mm. It's, it's that rough. But I know a lot of people that he's left in his wake like that. Uh, so the Socorro incident, you've heard about that with the police yes. officer, I'm sure. Yeah. What class did in that just absolutely snapped me over this man. Uh, Twelve different witnesses, including the police officers, saw this thing land and take off. And in a couple of people, including the police officers, saw what they described as two little men in coveralls coming out of there and looking around and suddenly shooting back up. Class had the, the ignominy of doing something that was, was so unethical I couldn't believe it. A couple of days after the fire was all put out, he came down to the sheriff's office with some people, and he brought along a witness and said, this guy was right by the gully. He didn't hear anything. Trying to counteract all these witnesses who had seen and observed and everything, the, the sheriffs and the different policemen in the room started laughing at class because he said, how is, Mr. Class, you think you're going to fool anybody with that? We know that the guy you brought in is deaf. He could hear nothing because he never could hear anything. Oh, my Lord. Okay, this is what he, he thought he was going to get away with. This is the kind of thing he would do. And it just disgusted me. And finally, I said, I'm going to go after this guy. So I started looking into him. And I said, my God, he was a, he was a, a so-called avionics expert that wrote for Aviation Week and Space Technology years ago, which I devoured as a kid, all these issues, Rob. And I probably read some of his stuff without, without realizing it. But there was always a picture in every issue back then of something that looked exactly like a UFO but wasn't, you know, a cloud formation yeah. or something, some anomalous thing in the sky. They couldn't wait to tell you that seeing is not believing. Robert, stand they, by. We have to take yep. our final break for this hour. Robert sure. Vanderklok is our special guest, Exonation. Nation. And in the next hour, I'll be talking with Pastor Kyle Hoover about looking for the God gene. My name's Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. We'll be back after this break. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals and that's more than three. It's basic math. 
Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Vanderklok is our special guest this hour. First of all, Rob, I want to thank you very much for coming on tonight. A great pleasure talking to you. But before pleasure, we, but we have before we go, Robert, I, I'd like to ask you about your views about Nick Redfern's uh, book that claims Roswell to be a non-ET event. I read the book. Uh, it was Body Snatchers in the Desert, I believe it was called. Yep. Um, he doesn't really provide any lifeline for this. Uh, I'm not necessarily arguing against his. Is taking that position, Rob, but uh, there's no threat. He's just, you know, he, speak, he spoke to someone named intelligence operatives who wouldn't give their real name, wouldn't say anything about it. Uh, I, I find some fault with that. Uh, if you're going to come up with something, you know, have some evidence, you know, in, in, in lieu of proof. And he really didn't provide it. It was a good story, a good, good, interesting book, but I, I find a lot of fault with it. May I say one thing quick before we leave? Certainly. A lot of my friends who are colleagues and our skeptics are listening, and I want to make sure they understand, and your audience too. Those of you listening who are honest, well-meaning skeptics, I am fine with you. You guys are my colleagues in the search for truth. You're coming in a different direction. I have no problem with that. You're no less interested in the truth than I am, even if you disagree with my points. I can agree to disagree with them anytime. It is the super debunkers, the super skeptics, Rob, who take an anti-intellectual approach, mm-hmm. which says the following... A, UFOs exist because I say they don't exist because I say so, and B, the alternative to my belief is it's impossible, therefore UFOs don't exist. What is that? That's nothing. And you, you know, their, their minds are closed, so why even deal with them? Uh, the, the saying I always learned as a kid is you never argue with an idiot because you never know what position the people listening in are going to take, you know. <laughs> so I don't really deal with them anymore. I just, you know, if, if they want to confront me, and they really don't, I, I seem to put them down pretty well. Confront me because you have some proof. Since you're not employing the scientific method, we're doing it for you, so why don't you accept what we come up with? And they don't. Robert, again, thanks very much uh, for joining us. But before we go, uh, we've got about a minute. Uh, What cases beyond Roswell, in your opinion, are smoking guns? 
1964, April, the Socorro incident involving yeah. a police officer. September 1964, the Vandenberg Air Force Base incident involving an alien craft disabling one of our warheads in flight. I'll give you those two to start off with. You want another one? Malmstrom Air Base in 1967 in Montana, in which 18 of our underground missiles were disabled somehow by a hovering UFO above, and it put the entire base on alert. And the whole system that operates that had no provision for lockdown, and yet it did. Robert, if there was a nuclear exchange that would unequivocally destroy life on this planet, do you think that the ETs would interfere? One word, no. It's part of the report that was given on the U.N. meeting. They basically said we will not interfere in any way. If you have a nuclear confrontation, we will sit on our hands. Robert, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, do the world a favor and keep up the great work. Rob, thank you so much, and I uh, appreciate the, your audience's interest. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have to have you back on in the near future. Take care, sir. Bye-bye. Sure. Robert Vanderklok, our very special guest this hour. And uh, when we come back from the news at the top of the hour, Pastor Kyle Hoover will be joining me. We're going to be talking about the CERN project and scientists playing God. That's all it turns out to be. They're playing God, and it's $10 billion to do so. I'll be back on the other side of the news. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. 